I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 281. Okay, first off, I have to tell you this. I have been dying to tell you this. Colby already knows, and he better not have told you because I know he can't keep a secret. He did. Did he? No, I have no idea what you're about to tell me. (laughs) You, like, looked so deflated. Because I need to see your... I need to see your reaction, okay? Okay. So I wrote this down so I wouldn't forget any of these little tidbits. Tiff and I watched Talk to Me on Monday. So I went to the theater for the first time uh, since we went and watched A Star is Born. Yeah. That's so funny because I just recently have been to the movies twice. And other than that, the last time was when we went and saw A Star is Born. Yeah. So if you're ever feeling good about yourself, just go to the theater because um, I was holding the drinks for me and Tiffany because she she bought them and so i was like oh i'm gonna be helpful and i'm gonna carry these two big ass fucking drinks right and um it was really hot so i don't know why but we had to uh wait outside because they were having issues and so we were waiting outside forever so i got hot yeah and then when i got inside it was still hot and you know what i hate my glasses falling down so i even like had to say oh hold on one second and i like put the um drinks down somewhere and like push my glasses back up right so at this point, I should have given Tiffany her drink. I should have been like, Was done. she carrying anything? Yeah, she had the popcorn. Oh, okay, okay. But I don't know. I was just like, just doing my thing, you know. We had already talked about she wanted to be all the way in the back. And I was like, do we do that anymore? Because I feel like we don't go all the way up anymore. And she was like, yeah, we do. And I was like, where did we go last time? And she's like, I think in the middle. But, you know, like, whatever. So I was like, okay, okay, okay. So... People were sitting back there. So we had like done like two rows in front. You know, you got to give the space. Yeah. Courtesy chair. Mm -hmm. Well, all right. I was walking up the stairs. Okay. And I don't know why I thought I didn't need to hold on to something. (laughs) Uh, Because I did. I don't know what, but like my thigh was like, like, (laughs) what? And I was breaking. Yes. And I was like, Tiffany, 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 because I just needed her to grab her drink so I could hold on and like walk up there. Yeah. Because those little steps are fucking steep in that one theater. Well, uh, she didn't hear me. She was already up there because, you know, she's just like gallivanting away with the popcorn. And I was like, Tiffany, 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 because I didn't want to yell because people are already there, you know. And all of a sudden, I just like had to drop her uh thing and like catch myself you dropped it yes luckily it didn't spill really like it just spilled a little bit and i was like do you need me to go get another one and she was like no because like it didn't like tump all the way over yeah. or anything but it was like that or <laughs> oh i'm God. going to fall down like humpty dumpty <laughs> okay so i was like oh my lord sweaty all the things glasses sliding down yes so we get there and i'm like what seat is mine i hate having to pick these seats and stuff because yes. i never remember fucking numbers so I sit down and I'm like, oh my God, thank God. <laughs> my fucking side was hitting the fucking uh, button. He <laughs> did that to me too when I okay. went last time. I was like, I can't, it's already going up. It's already going up. What's going on? <laughs> and I was like, where is the button? I need to just get down. Yes. And she was like, it's over there on the side. Why do you have it right there on the side? Yes. Same exact thing happened to me whenever I went with my sisters and my nephew. First time I'd been in movies in a century and a half. And we have two theaters. And the other one, the buttons are like on the armrest. Yes. And this, yes, this is like on the side. And I sat down next to my sister. I was like, my legs are going up. My legs are going up. My legs are going up. Why are they going up? And she's like, you're probably hitting the button. I'm like, where the fuck is the button? Yes. Like, I was like, get me out of here. This is why I stream shit. Yes. Oh, my God. (laughs) Well, and I, because I'm not cold natured, but I had on shorts and like um, sandals and I need socks on. So I had socks packed, expecting it to be cold in that theater, get cozy with my legs up, my socks on. Like my sister brought a blanket. Well, she's very cold natured. No, I had swamp ass. It was so fucking hot in that theater was it hot it was hot when you went i was like "Uh uh-uh and then the next weekend the first time i went and saw elemental the next time colby and i went and saw insidious yeah okay was that is that it yeah okay insidious red red door yeah 
we went and saw that and i was like this is what it's supposed to be like because we went to the other one because he hadn't been in forever with the with the chairs and i was like we're going to the other one because the chairs are bigger trust me yes and that's when i was telling him you were like I don't know. Oh, probably at work. And we were waiting on you for dinner. And I was like, I have to tell you this because it was like that day. Yeah, it was Monday. And he said that I should go to the other one because they were bigger. And I was yes. like, I, I swear to God, I remember not having that issue before. And it's because of that. Yes. Because that's where we went and saw that. Yeah. Uh, a star is born. Oh, my God. Anyway, I was like a nervous wreck. And yes, I was hot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm cold inside. So I almost packed a, like a cardigan or whatever. If you no. would have had that, you would have gone like you'd have lost it yes I with would. that that heat of that shit on you yes but yeah it actually going to the movies these past thing like spark i really liked it i was like oh my god i like the drink i like the popcorn i like the reclining i want to go back donna doesn't want to right now but Not she right needs now. to go to the other one and she'll like it yes now when i say the amount of candy i had in my purse <laughs> we rated a dollar general and an at-home. Don't ask me why. An at-home for candy. <laughs> but we got a shit ton of candy at the at-home store. And I was like, Colby, what if they check my purse? Like, what if they see this? And he said, I have seen people bring fried chicken up in here. They are not going to give a shit that you have some candy. That is true. <laughs> and the one y'all went to, they don't have milk duds. Oh, and really? You know, milk duds and Reese's Pieces. I don't like them. Those are my two movie candies and they don't have them so i was like the first time we went i was so bummed so i was like i'm taking me some damn milk duds this time yeah i should have known it was gonna be bad when i was like oh yeah tiffany put some butter on it because she is like the best popcorn butterer ever she went to four different things and the fourth one finally worked when we went to that same theater the first time because you know you get refills on large popcorns and large drinks so my sister and I split a popcorn. I was like, damn, there's like no salt on this. This is not good. They didn't salt it. What? When I refilled it for the to-go for Colby, it was so good. It was like perfectly salty. And I was like, yeah, they fucked up on the first one. Yeah. Also, I was like, you can have beer here now? There's like food here? Tiffany was like, what the hell? And I'm like, I just haven't been. Mm-hmm. But I have been waiting to tell you the story that I almost fucking busted my ass at the fucking theater. And then I couldn't get any fucking relief because my sides were hitting the fucking chair. I cannot believe that you like dropped her drink because you were about to fall. Yes. It was like her drink or my life. And I was like, sorry, girl. Well, speaking of movies, Colby and I watched the movie Emancipation with Will Smith. That movie was so fucking good. Really? Yes. He... (laughs) He made fun of me because like when it first started, like the first scene thing, I was like, oh, Will Smith must play like one of these kids grown up. And he goes, that is Will Smith. Like the dad. Oh, I thought my I was like, God. <laughs> Lord. And then I was like, because I was like, dang, he, he really looks like Will Smith. But like that ain't him, you know, is what yeah. I was thinking. And I was like, <laughs> OK, so like this happens to the dad. And it like Will Smith must be one of the kids that saw this and grows up. And I was like, yeah, oh, no, that. That is Will Smith. We old. Colby was like, that is Will Smith. And I was like, oh. Yeah, we're old. Well, he didn't look that old in real life. They had some stuff on him. See, they're an actor. We also watched that show on, I think that Emancipation was on uh, Apple TV too. But we watched that show Hijack. That I told y'all too. Is it Hijack or Hijacked or Hijacking? I think it's just Hijack. No, Hijack. Okay. Well, it needs an ED on the end for some reason to me. But that was good, too, with um, Eldris Enid. No. E- Who Enid- are you? Idris- what was it? Idris God, Elba. I- yes. God, I suck with names. You sounded like... John Travolta yes. trying to say yes. Should we talk about the Lizzo drama? I don't know, girl. Because it's all alleged right now. Yeah. But I will say I'm very disappointed if it's if it's true, because, again, it's all alleged. The hardest part to I mean, aside from like the false imprisonment and the like religious and racial harassment and all of that. But if it's true and she touted herself as this, like accepting your body for who you are and all of that. And then when a dancer like gained weight and fired them, 
that is that's hard yeah now if they gained weight and they couldn't do their job anymore that's different yeah but how it was presented is they gained a little weight and they were fat shamed and fired you know yeah but if you can't keep up with the dance moves because of weight gain then that is affecting your job and so i do understand that Mm -hmm. but it's just so hard because you know my let me tell you what my nephew said he's so damn smart because he loves her too and so i sent him a screenshot from something i was like i'm sure you've seen all this huh he said he didn't really know to believe it or not seeing how it plays out but he goes people didn't think cosby was really doing what he was doing at first either but i'm holding out hope and it does not help that her lyrics like literally say what was to come you know yeah all the rumors are true like getting rid of people i think he said two two girls too well there's three so okay like nda no loose lips Mm -hmm. Ooh, i don't know when this episode airs the very next day will be donna's birthday there's a lot of eights eight eight eighty five right that's my time but i'm gonna be 38 i don't know what eight is but it's gonna be my number this year well this year has like two months left so (laughs) should we go play roulette now right you weren't there that time we went and my sister played put money on eight on roulette and it came in three times holy shit no Mm -hmm. we should go but this saturday we're going to this zoo thing that she's got us going to you know she always got us doing shit on her birthday mm-hmm. she's like what do you want to do for your birthday i'm like i don't know we don't even have to go out to eat she's like so i want to go to this zoo thing far away and i want it to cost us a shit ton of money <laughs> <laughs> it could be worse it could be but no we're going to the zoo thing so the next week y'all will hear all about it because we're going this saturday You'll probably see me being, you know, melting, holding a porcupine. This bitch, you know what time she scheduled us to go? One o'clock. The sun is going to be scorching, but it was basically the only time. So, I mean, it opens at 12 and they didn't have that. And yeah. then it goes till I think four was the last one. But I was like, are the animals still active at four? And he was like, if I were you, I'd do the one. So I was like, okay. No, it's, I'm just giving you a hard time. So we're going to be puddles of sweat and it's going to be fun. As long as a porcupine doesn't pork me. (laughs) I need to be porked. Oh, we got to talk about Patreoners. Thank you so much. Karina L. from Illinois. Alyssa K. from Florida. Jennifer P. from Texas. And Crystal S. from Arkansas. Thank y'all so much for joining Patreon. We're doing all kinds of things over there. You got uh am i the asshole lives you got right now we're doing some lady killers you got some uh what's that called that you i survived couldn't think of the words so if you want all of those extra episodes and y'all we've been doing patreon a long time there is a big ass backlog so if you are called up on episodes and you're like oh i need more of those bitches don't know why but if you do Look, we got a backlog on Patreon. So head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. Peruse it out. Check it out. See what you like. Sign up, please. Also, we're coming up really quickly to the end of this month. And we're going to be in Austin, Texas from August 25th through 28th. And we're going to be doing lots of crap. There's the True Crime Podcast Festival. And you can go to their website and use the promo code APC for 15% off. If you want to come to the festival, we're also going to be doing a meetup on Friday night and a ghost hunt slash, well, really a ghost tour on Saturday. Lots of shit coming up. So check it out. We will be sweaty then too. Don't worry. Look, we're going to have all the bug spray and Donna's probably going to bring a fan. 1000%. EVPs are going to be messed up because of me. All right. Before we get into the episode, we got to talk about care of because they are back. And you know, you know how I always say, they care of us, they care of you. Care of is a subscription service that ships high quality, personalized vitamins, supplements, and powders conveniently to your door. They also have a companion app that helps you track your wellness progress. And you know what? Care of takes the guesswork out of what supplements are best suited for you and your goals. All you got to do is take a short, in-depth quiz about your lifestyle, what you do, what you want to achieve, you know, your goals. And then you're going to get a personalized, doctor-backed recommendation of what you should do. It's summertime. It is the time for traveling, doing all the things, seeing all the people. And Care of makes taking your vitamins on the go 
easy as pie. And we all love pie. I mean, I prefer cheesecake unless it's apple pie. Like, hold the apples, give me the gook. And just like we said earlier, we got travel plans coming up in a couple of weeks. And Care Of makes taking your vitamins super easy because it's just these individualized packets that say your name. So let's say that Donna and I wanted to pack together. We never would because we're total opposites. But... Let's say we wanted to. We could dump all of our vitamin packets in one thing because they say your name. And don't worry if your needs or your goals change after you take that quiz because Care Of can help you adjust your routine to match. Their quiz can be retaken at any time to give you the updated recommendations. So let's say that you were pregnant six months ago and now you're not, but you're like, ooh, my nails are getting kind of breaky. You know, whatever your goal is, hey, I'm feeling kind of sluggish. You know, you can retake that quiz and you're going to get that personalized doctor back recommendation. We are super glad that Care Of is a sponsor of today's episode. So get on over there. Check it out. Take that quiz. See what's recommended. Go to TakeCareOf.com and enter code CREEP50 to get 50% off your first Care Of order. That's TakeCareOf.com and enter code CREEP50 for 50% off your first Care Of order. And look, you know we got accents. That's T-A-K-E-C-A-R-E-O-F dot com and enter promo code CREEP50 for 50% off your first order. And again, it ships to your door. Y'all, Babbel is back. Okay, so I signed up for Babbel and I signed up for Spanish. And you know what I love is that it gave me the option of Latin America or Spain because it is different dialects and stuff. I thought you weren't going to do Spanish. Well, you know, when you say you have to manifest things, Mm -hmm. I'm trying to manifest a new job. Okay. I thought you were wanting to travel to Paris and you're wanting to do French. I really do. But, you know, a job is very important to have. Well, Donna's trying to manifest because she wants to learn through immersion, which is, you know, the best way to learn a language. But if you can't do that, the second best way is Babbel. You can start speaking a new language in just three weeks. And the best thing about Babbel, uh, they have quick 10-minute lessons that are designed by over 150 language experts. You can play games, you can attend a class, whatever is best suited for you. It's there. And they send you emails just giving you a little check-in. Mm-hmm. Have you done your goals yet? All the things. And that's what I need. I like that you can even see your learning plan. Like, okay, you've done this. Okay, time to review. Okay, now you've got this. Now we're going to do this next. And so you can kind of see what's coming up next. But I also chose Spanish. I like that it actually started with conversation. I've tried learning Spanish before, and it's always like, this is milk. This is bread. This is whatever. And I'm like, okay, I don't need to know milk. I need to know, hey, how are you? Goodbye. Like, I need to know actual conversational things. And that's one thing I liked about Babel is it immediately started teaching you conversational things. Yes, exactly. Which, you know, is functional to your freaking life. But the various ways that you can learn with Babbel is really what has me hooked because y'all know, y'all know I love a game. You give me a game to play on my phone and I am hooked. And Babbel has all kinds of different things like Donna was saying, podcasts, lessons, games, all the things. Also, one study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. And I can guarantee you it's cheaper. Whoa, yeah. With over 10 million subscriptions sold, Babbel is real language learning for real conversations. So right now, for a limited time, you can get 55% off your Babbel subscription. So you're going to go to babbel.com slash creep. Again, that's B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash creep, C-R-E-E-P, to get 55% off your Babbel subscription. Rules and restrictions may apply, but you need to go over to babbel.com slash creep for 55% off your subscription. We're going across the pond from my story to Norfolk, England. We're going to be talking about the brown lady of Raynham Hall. And it's not like a racial thing. They call her the brown lady because the dress that she's been seen in is brown. You like immediately put your hand up to me. Like I was, I knew you were going to say, because I said it too. And I was like, whoa, why? 
Because it's always like lady in white, the blah, the lady in red, and then the brown lady. Like what? Anyway, you know we're going to do a little bit of history first. Raynham Hall was built in 1619 by Sir Robert Townsend. He was a politician in the House of Commons. And this was a very stately home. Like it's huge. And it's a little bit different of the style of the times. It was inspired by like an Italian floor plan and stuff. But like, seriously, it's freaking beautiful. When you see the period pieces like Pride and Prejudice and all of that, like those stately mansions that they live in, this is that. And it's like on, you know, like 4,000 acres. Raynham Hall stayed in that family for over 400 years. It's still in the family. I'm just saying like, it's been over 400 years. Even though it was a design that was considered ahead of its time, you know, and it's just breathtaking. That's not what Raynham Hall is most notable for. It's popular because of one resident who seemed to never leave. And yes, that is the brown lady of Raynham Hall. Her birth name is Dorothy Walpole, and she was born in 1686. Her family was very wealthy, very well-to-do. Her father was involved in parliament, and her brother went on to become the first prime minister of Great Britain. Okay, they're bougie. Yeah, so just showing you how like well-connected and well-off Dorothy's family was. So when Dorothy was young, like 10 or 11, she fell head over heels for Charles Townsend. He was older, but that didn't stop them from being all googly eyes over each other. And we all know back in the day, age was really just a number, especially for royalty. Isn't it now? Isn't that what you always tell me, Donna? Well, yes, but this was like, you know, you do the side eye. Me, I'm just a cougar, okay? Oh, my God. So Charles was in Dorothy's father's guardianship. So he was her dad's ward. And even though the couple liked each other and they saw a future together, Dorothy's dad would not let them get married because he thought that might ruin Charles's future because people thought, you know, it was nepotism and he was just given everything, not earned it. And he needed to make his own way in the world. Now, there is another version that said her dad didn't agree because she was too young, but who knows? Do you know their ages? Did you say that? She was 10 or 11, and I think he was 10 years older. What? 10 or 11? You buried the lead on that. No, I said that. Oh, okay. I, I missed it. Okay, bye. Yeah, okay. That's Yeah, like it was really young, but I saw that in two places, and then other places said that she was young, so... I'm not sure. And I don't know if like they wanted to get married at when she was 10, but like that's when she was like, oh, he cute. Either way, Charles moved on and he married someone else. And Dorothy wasn't just pining around waiting for her long lost Charles. She was swept away into an affair with a politician named Philip Wharton. Now, Philip had a reputation and he later founded the Hellfire Club, which was kind of like, you know, those secret societies rich people have where they do all the taboo stuff that they want to do, but they can't get in trouble for it. You know, mm -hmm. that's what I think the Hellfire Club was. So that just kind of shows you his reputation. You know, they had a hot, passionate, illicit love affair and it was great until it wasn't. And then it was over. I, I can't. Ten. Do you know what I was doing when I was ten? I had a crush on a boy that didn't watch cartoons, and so I decided that it was time to stop watching cartoons. That's what I was doing at ten. See, same thing though. Like you had this crush. If he would have given you the time of the day, you would have been like, oh, "Yes, yeah." But he was eleven. Hey, I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying that's what the resources had said. Anyway, during this time, Charles Dorothy's first love lost his first wife. Very sad, all the things. They had like five children together. But this means that the two childhood lovebirds struck back up their romance. And, you know, just to say this, Charles was fancy as fuck at this point. He was second by count and shit. Like, again, when you think of like Bridgerton and all that, like, this is these people, okay? Anyway, they finally married and they started their life together in 1713. 
They ended up having seven children and were married for a total of 13 years until Dorothy passed away in 1726 from smallpox, or so they say. Because things were not always super rosy between Charles and Dorothy, especially in their later years of marriage, because that's when Charles found out about Dorothy's little romp with Lord Wharton way earlier. But see, they were both in politics together. And I think Charles was more like a well-to-do, like prim and proper guy. But again, Lord Wharton was like the bad boy, like Mm -hmm. fucking Wolf of Wall Street over there. And so it was like, wait, you were with him? Like, if people know this, they're going to know that you're like a fast woman. You're going to, you know what I mean? All of that. So he was a very, very mad And Charles was known to have a short temper, and Dorothy learned just how mean Charles could be when he wanted to, because there are rumors that said Charles locked Dorothy in her room and forbade her to see her children at all. And people said that Dorothy's funeral was a sham, and Charles had said she died of smallpox, but that was all a ruse to keep her imprisoned in their home. And this was his way of torturing her for, you know, not waiting for him, for being a loose woman. And he believed that she was cheating on him now, too. And those who believe that rumor say that Dorothy was pushed down the stairs and that's how she died. Or that she was finally escaping and she threw herself down the stairs to end her suffering. However Dorothy died, it seems that she never quite left Raynham Hall. So Dorothy, like I said, is the brown lady, and she was first seen in December 1835. People were there at Raynham Hall for a Christmas party, and all I can imagine is the type of Christmas gatherings we covered during Halloween or Christmas time or something, and it was like people used to tell ghost stories during Christmas, like around Charles Dickens' time. So, you know, they would play games and stuff. And that one story that we read, it was about a spirit playing hide and seek with the children and stuff. Anyway, when they said this, it made me think about that. And then I was like, poof, a real ghost at Christmas. (laughs) So the Townsend family was throwing a party and two of the guests are the ones who saw the brown lady. It's Colonel Loftus and Mr. Hawkins. They were going to their rooms to turn in for the night, but they saw a lady who looked like a member of high society, but she was in old-fashioned clothing, and you know, it was a brown dress. She was in the main stairway. Now, remember, the rumors are that she died in that stairway, but the two men quickly surmised that this lady was not alive because she turned and she looked at them. And they saw that her face was self-illuminated and her eyes were empty sockets. Colonel Loftus also saw the apparition the next night and he sketched exactly what he had witnessed. And when he showed others, they were like, wait, I think I saw her too, but like she didn't look at me. So I thought it was a real person. Like I'm shook. Well, the next year, one skeptic wanted to go and see for himself if there was really a ghost roaming the halls and the stairway of Raynham Hall. His name was Frederick Marriott, I think, and he was a well-known author and Navy captain. He believed that some local ruffians had made up the whole thing, and basically they were like the villains of every Scooby-Doo plot that they wanted to keep people away and like keep their business under the radar, you know, so it's like, ooh, a ghost will scare everyone off. However, when Frederick was going to bed, he was interrupted by Charles's nephews and they had just bought like a gun from London or it had just arrived. And so they wanted to show him, you know, guy stuff. So after they circle jerked around the gun, Frederick was like, "Okay, I'm going to bed for real, for real. And the nephews were like, oh, we'll walk you to protect you from the ghost. Like, ooh. And, you know, they're all laughing and joking because that is the reason he's there is to disprove this. But then they shut up when they see the corridor was lit up by something like a lantern. Well, then they assumed it was one of the guests going to check on the babies in the nursery or something. So they're like, oh, okay. But Frederick was in his like underpants and undershirt. So he was like, oh, shit, like a lady can't see me like this. So the three men quickly ducked into the nearby room. Who is he, your dad? Right? 
Donna's dad would never let anybody see him in shorts. Right. Barely me. They waited for the lady with the candle to pass by, but they didn't see anyone pass. So Frederick was like, well, let's see if the coast is clear. So they all peered out, but that's when they saw a lady in an old-fashioned dress, and he was like, oh, shit, it's her. You know, they had all been joking about this ghost before, but now they were face-to-face with her. And she seemed to be drawing in closer and closer. And almost by instinct, Frederick drew his gun and yelled for the lady to stop and not come any closer. And that's when she turned her head and the men saw the face of the ghost with her hollow eye sockets. And he said that she had a very malicious smile on her face. And upon seeing this devious facial expression and feeling threatened because she kept inching closer and closer, Frederick fired his gun. And right when he did, the apparition vanished. But the bullet is still lodged into the wall of the corridor. Yeah, because how'd that gun do for you against something that's not there? Right. Well, many people over the years had seen the brown lady on the stairs Even King George IV, he said he awoke for some reason in the middle of the night, and that's when he saw the brown lady standing beside his bed, and he demanded they leave at once. But the most famous sighting was in 1939, when Captain Provan and his assistant, Indre Shira, they visited Raynham Hall to shoot a spread for Country Life magazine. That sounds like something Joanna Gaines would own. Right. However, this was more for the hoity-toity, look how lavish we live kind of thing. You know, like it was like commoners didn't get this country life. That country life was not the same as our country life. Like it was like provincial life. Like, oh, the meadows, look how they overlook the balcony on my 14-story high place. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, okay. Like when they say they have a country home, it's it's nice. It's like when people say they have a camp, but it's like a two story house. It's like that's that's not a camp. Yeah. So people had heard the story about the brown lady of Raynham Hall and, you know, that she reportedly haunted the upstairs corridor and the grand stairway. So those two men were determined to photograph the staircase in all its glory. They weren't there to get anything about the ghost or anything. It was about you know, showing all the amazing interior designs and all of that. But on September 19th, 1936, Captain Provan was under the curtain, you know, taking a picture like the old timey kind of thing. And his assistant, Indra Shira, felt something change in the air. And when he looked again at the stairs, he saw something there. And in his own words, here's what happened. Captain Provan took one photograph while I flashed the light. He was focusing for another exposure. I was standing by his side, just behind the camera, with the flashlight pistol in my hand, looking directly up at the staircase. All at once, I detected an ethereal, veiled form coming slowly down the stairs. Rather excitedly, I called out sharply, quick, quick, there's something. I pressed the trigger of the flashlight pistol. After the flash and on the closing of the shutter, Captain Provan removed the focusing cloth from his head and turned to me and said, what's all the excitement about? So he, of course, told him like what he saw, like, I think you got it. Holy shit. So they hurried through the rest of their photos, packed up to go look at the photographs that they captured. And when they're developing the film, they saw that it showed the brown lady of Raynham Hall. Now, skeptics say that the photo was doctored. They say it's a complete hoax. One says that it could be grease on the lens of the camera. Others say, no, it's a double exposure. Some say it looks like the statue of Mary was superimposed on the stairs. Harry Price, you know, famous paranormal investigator, did his own research about the brown lady and he inspected the photo. He interviewed the two men and he was like, I believe them and I can't tell anything's been messed with. And so he said it was authentic. And that was the only photo ever taken of the brown lady of Raynham Hall. It has never been concretely debunked. And so it stands as one of the most famous pieces of paranormal evidence. Damn. Now, even though this was about Dorothy, you know, 
the Brown Lady of Raynham Hall, there are some other apparitions that have been roaming the halls too. Once a ghost dog of a Cocker Spaniel, then two children have been running the halls giggling, and then the Duke of Monmouth, Monmouth, I don't know, but it's rumored that the Duke was put into a mask to hide his identity, which he would be known as, do you know? Oh, man in the iron mask? Yes. Yes. But it was never revealed who the man in the iron mask was. And there's other people that they say was probably more likely to be him. But I just thought that was like very interesting. I don't know why I'm saying very a lot, but whatever. <laughs> it's very annoying. Um, we know. <laughs> but it's like your deep voice that you've been doing. Yes, I said it. that the other day at work. I was like, I got to quit doing that. Somebody's like, I like it. And I was like, don't tell Donna. <laughs> really? oh god that hurt my throat okay but his apparition has really seemed to like the ladies and the ladies think he is a perfect midnight snacky snack to look at because he was very handsome but all of these ghosts do not add up to the brown lady and her famous photograph so i'm going to show it to you what year was that taken in 1939 It really does look like a double exposure to me. Okay, I'm going to show you the Virgin Mary. And I was like, oh, that really does look like that. Oh, yeah, it does look like that. I definitely, I can see the similarities, but. Yeah. But it just looks like double exposure to me. Yeah, it does. And maybe it was an accident. Who knows? Because he was like, hey, take it, take it, take it. You know, so. But the thing about this, I feel like it's just residual energy and she's not stuck there or anything like that. So I like this story because it wasn't like super sad besides like the rumors about her being held captive, but no one really could substantiate that. And how did he fake her death if like they didn't do an open casket, I guess, because she had smallpox maybe But you know what I mean? That's like an elaborate ruse to pull off just to keep her imprisoned. However, people have done that. You know, I was going to say people have done worse. Again, the history is always worse than the haunting. Yeah, because there's really not much to this haunting. Mm -mm, Just that people have seen her. But I don't like the empty eye sockets. I don't like that. So if she's real, you know, big if. Do you think that the eye socket thing is because she bad or do you think it's because it's like not like it's just a residual? I think it's just residual, but also who knows? I mean, he could have tortured her then and did something with her eyes. We don't know. Tell tell them what residual hauntings are, because like we could have somebody that just started listening like, what the fuck is this residual shit they're talking about? It's non-intelligent. So like if you said is anyone here with an EVP? It wouldn't be the one to answer you. It's like leftover energy. So it's more on a loop. Like you hear phantom footsteps every night at midnight. That's residual usually. But if you say, knock three times on the ceiling if you want me, and it knocks, you know, I say, come in. But but really, it knocks twice on the pipe. <laughs> I do need a pipe. But that means the answer is no. Better. I know. I know. She's a hater. Well, I know the quality of young whippersnappers you've been talking to of late. And haters going to hate, 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 hate. All right. So my story came from a recommendation in our Discord group from Alexandria J. So if you're like, what the hell is your Discord group? Well, that's for people who are on Patreon. If you're on Patreon, you get access to the Discord server so you can chat with us and all the other people in the Creepinati. It's pretty awesome. All right. Picture it. We're going to the Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church. This is in Bucks County, Pennsylvania. There's a woman named Rhonda Smith. She's 42 years old, and she was working at the church as like a temporary church secretary until they found someone full time. She went to church there. She'd been going there for about two years. And on January 23rd of 2008, she was supposed to be working at the church. Well, Judy Zellner cleans the church and she got there on that same day on January 23rd to do what she does. She gets there and the door was unlocked and she was like, well, this is weird. And so at first she was like pissed that somebody left the church unlocked because, you know, why would you do that? But when she walks into the church office, she finds a body laying on the floor covered in blood. 
Now, Judy is an OG creepster, and she was like, all her watchings of CSI, Murder, She Wrote, all the things came into her brain, and she was like, touch nothing. But then she kind of panicked, too, because, like, there's this body on the floor, like, is whoever did this to this person, are they still in the church? So she grabs the cordless phone and runs outside to call 911. And churches, when they're empty, are scary. And they're big, usually. So, yeah, get out of there. I can remember being a kid and being at the church because I grew up going to church. And I can remember being around like, okay, nobody's in this building. And we're playing around and we shouldn't be. But we're like in this empty building. And it was like so creepy and like you just hear it settling and you're like oh my god what is that literally oh my god (laughs) oh lord oh god oh shit (laughs) judy calls 911 and she still doesn't know who it is laying on the floor but when the paramedics get there they realize that the woman is bleeding but she still has a heartbeat holy shit so when they put her on the stretcher and they're wheeling her out her head kind of turns and that's when judy's like oh my god that is Rhonda. So Rhonda gets taken to the hospital, but unfortunately she has to be taken off of life support because she was brain dead and there was no bringing her back. So the police are trying to figure out like who Rhonda is, who would have done this to her. And they start talking to the pastor. So the pastor of this church is Pastor Greg Shreves. Now, old Greggy Greg is, we're just gonna come out and say it. He was known for being very handsome. Oh, so he was kind of like a silver fox that came into preaching late in life. Like he was a golf pro before and then I know and then got the calling. Uh He he had all the fun. Right. So he answered the call and started pastoring this church. But Pastor Greg, that's what we're going to call him. He wasn't sketch. Like, of course, people made jokes because he was single and very handsome. And so, like, the women parishioners made inappropriate jokes that if the gender roles were reversed would not be okay. But he wasn't creepy. And Pastor Greg was really there for Rhonda because Rhonda had bipolar disorder and she had a hard time holding down a job. Rhonda worked really hard despite her issues with bipolar disorder, to live on her own and not rely on her parents. So to pay for her rent and and take care of herself. But she did have a hard time holding down a job. And she had just started going to this church over the last two years and had really developed a relationship with Pastor Greg and the members of the congregation. In fact, the Sunday before she was murdered, she'd even stood up in church to be like, hey, y'all, thank y'all so much for everything you've done for me because they had collected money for her because she was not going to be able to make her rent. And, you know, she would need help paying for her medicine and all of that. And the church came together to do what churches do and helped her and supported her in her time of need. Now, at first, though, given her issues with mental health police thought maybe it was a suicide because there was nobody around there was no evidence of like a break-in or anything like that but the police didn't find a gun on the scene so they were like okay did judy like kick it under something did she find it and want to protect her friend and take it away from the scene so the police are asking judy like did you kick a gun did you take the gun away like did you see a gun and she's like i saw no gun Police look on the church's computer and they can see like when she was active and she had been active online until about 1055 that morning. And old girl was on a dating site. Oh, I like that Christian mingle. (laughs) I was just about to say that. But the more they found out about what Rhonda Smith actually went through, they realized that it was very unlikely and improbable that this was a suicide because she had two gunshot wounds to the head oh gosh now again it's not impossible for someone to have two gunshot wounds to the head and have died by suicide but the way that she had the stippling on the back of her hand as if she was putting her hands up in a defensive posture because it's like the gunpowder comes out of the barrel and then it like gets that on her hands so they knew based on the stippling patterns from the gunpowder that she had her hands up to defend herself so they're like okay was this a robbery you know they're talking to the pastor and they're talking to the members of the congregation and like there had been a guy that had been at the church service previous that week and 
it was kind of a weird situation that made everybody a little uncomfortable. Like he tried to take the, um, like the communion cup, you know, and they're like, no, 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 like you can't, you can't have that. You know, mm-hmm. he just, he didn't know the social norm. No, I think it was more, he was kind of out of it. Maybe he had some mental health issues. So it wasn't like that. It was like a, it kind of scared some people, but really nothing came of that. And there wasn't any evidence that there was a break in or that, you know, there had been any type of robbery. So as police are digging, because everybody just was so positive about Rhonda and her life and how good she was doing. Yes, she was going through some financial stuff, but like there wasn't anything like there was no who would want to kill her. You know, there was there was nobody. And so they're just trying to get more information about her past and well, her current And there were some rumors that she had a boyfriend that was also married. And so the police were like, well, let's let's check this out. And they did. But that all checked out like it didn't. That wasn't it. So the police were like, "Okay, let's go back to the pastor and let's just see, like, is there anybody in the congregation that could have had issues with Rhonda? And when they go talk to the pastor, he's like, no, you know, not really. And they're like, is there anybody that like you, you know, just that you have issues with that's just, is there anybody that stands out? And he was pretty hesitant at first because, you know, he's not wanting to like talk bad about a congregate. Is that what they're called? Yes. A single, you have a congregation and then. Okay. I'm, I'm, I don't know if my, if my Baptist upbringing taught me anything, (laughs) words, just kidding. I do not know words. So he tells police about a woman named Mary Jane Fonder. Is that the country sister Jane Fonda? Ma'am. Fonder. Okay. <laughs> that was lame. But sh- <laughs> Okay. So Mary Jane had, she had a lot of issues, but she was just one of those women that just, she was older. Like she was in her 60s. She had been going to this church for like 20 years. And she was fucking annoying. Like nobody liked her really. I mean, of course they were nice to her because it's a church. They have to be, but they're like, Oh God, she's really annoying. Like I don't, we, nobody liked hanging out with her because she never shut up. Let's talk a little bit about her. So she had a good childhood growing up. She grew up in West Philadelphia where she was born and raised. <laughs> But when she was eight years old, her family bought the house in this Springfield township, which is where this story occurs. And after her parents retired, that's where they eventually moved. When she was growing up, she had a lot of mental health issues. She had attempted in high school to die by suicide by overdosing on some medication. And after she attempted to die by suicide, she was actually institutionalized and after all of that ended, when she tried to go back to high school, she had a really hard time with like the social interactions. I'm pretty sure she was bullied for it. And so she eventually dropped out of high school. She had a very hard time with romantic relationships. Like she just couldn't, again, she was just odd and she just had a hard time with social interactions and having a relationship and that kind of thing. And as her parents started aging, when she was about 45, she moved back in with them so that she could care for them. Her mom eventually died in 1992. But Mary Jane had been going to this church for 20 years and just never really found her niche in this church. She often felt left out, too. Like if they had something like an event at the church and she didn't like specifically get an invite, she would feel left out. And it was she was very like, woe is me. Like it's they're having like a baby shower with church or whatever. And she's like, oh, I didn't get invited, you know, and it's like, well, you don't even know who the thing's for. You know, that's kind of the impression I got of her feeling left out. Um, because everything said that, that she felt left out and she just had a hard time finding her place. And, and again, that she would get her feelings hurt if she wasn't invited to things. The problem was Mary Jane started having feelings towards Pastor Greg. Oh, shit. And Pastor Greg didn't feel the same way. There was no issues with Pastor Greg and any of his congregates. Like they didn't. He didn't cross any lines. 
Mary Jane volunteered a lot at the church. She was in the choir. She would do like art projects around the church and all of that. So she was up there a ton. And one time she was up there and she just like looks at Pastor Greg and is like, like, I know you feel this between us. Oh, shit. And he's like, nah, bitch. (laughs) Not really. (laughs) But he's like, you know, politely shuts her down. Like, you know, I'm your pastor, blah, 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 blah. I don't know what I said to her. But he did what he should do, and he went straight to the church's, like, HOA. What's that called? Like, their committees yeah. or whatever to be like, hey, she said this. Like, this was kind of inappropriate. I just want you all to know, like, every- so everything's on the up and up. Because, I mean, she's like, okay, really what she said. She's basically like, you can't deny what's going on between us. It wasn't long after she tells the pastor that, you know, he can feel what's not going on between them that she starts to call Pastor Greg. And I'm talking like 15 times a week calling Pastor Greg. Oh, my God. Stalker. And not just calling him, but leaving long messages on his answering machine, on his voicemail, whatever. And he wouldn't answer the phone because he knows it's her. And she's just leaving these like rambling messages of ailments and hope to see you Sunday and blah, 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 blah. Like one of your voice messages, Donna. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, I know she's the villain of this story, but she is like a culmination of me and you. Well, the problem is it didn't stop with the phone calls. What happened was she was starting to come into the pastor's home and leave him food. What? Yeah, because he was a pastor. He didn't lock his door. And she's coming in and like putting food out for him, leaving food in the freezer, all the things. And he gets very uncomfortable with it. And it tells her to stop, you know, and then starts locking his door. Well, that doesn't stop it. She starts just leaving it on the porch. So again, Pastor Greg's doing exactly what he needs to be doing, and he's taking it to the church committee, elders, whomever they are, and he's like, hey, this is happening. It's making me uncomfortable. I've told her it's not appropriate. So there was an event one night after choir practice, and some of the girls from the choir hung out, and Mary Jane wasn't invited. And She like drove by the church and saw people hanging out there, saw Rhonda's car there and was like, these motherfuckers are having Rhonda a birthday party without me. Like she honed in on Rhonda Mm -hmm. because basically like Rhonda accomplished in two years at this church what she has not been able to accomplish in 20. And then the next Sunday when Rhonda stood up and was like, hey, thanks for everything for helping me. It pissed Mary Jane off because she's like, well, I need financial support, too. I'm having issues, too. And nobody's helping me. Yeah. And then Mary Jane started thinking that Rhonda and the pastor had something going on. Of course. And, you know, thinking she's encroaching on her boo and she's not having any of it. I just love that you said encroaching on her boo. (laughs) Like a thesaurus word and then urban dictionary. (laughs) And there is Carrie. So the police bring Mary Jane in for questioning. Mary Jane talks in this interrogation for four hours. Oh, shit. She tells them all kinds of shit. She talked about growing up. She talked about the church. She talked about the pastor. She talked about what aches on her body. She talked about everything and nothing for four hours. She is me. Yeah. So the police ask her, hey, uh, do you own a gun? And she's like, yeah, I did. Because she owns a 38 caliber um, revolver, which is what they know was used in Rhonda's murder. Oh, shit. But it was stolen. No, she said that 14 years ago, she got rid of it. And she kind of hemmed and hauled about where she got rid of it. Like she said a couple of different places, but that she said that she threw it in the lake. Um, That is not how you get rid of a gun. Okay. Like that you don't need to get rid of a gun because you did something bad with. Right. No one says, oh, you know what? I'm tired of this gun. Let me just go throw it in the lake. So 
I heard this next little snippet on, a, it was on a podcast called Love Murderer. And um, so they said that back in the day, Mary Jane had threatened somebody with a gun, like somebody had done it wrong. I think it was a previous boss. And that when she had to go to like court over it, she had taken the gun with her. And that scared her because she didn't want people to think that she was going to hurt anybody with it. So that's why she got rid of it. Don't know. But anyway, she says she threw it in the lake in 1994. So the police look for this gun in the lake, but they don't find anything. So they ask Mary Jane, like, okay, well, where were you, you know, when Rhonda was killed? And she was like, oh, I had an appointment at the hairdresser. And they checked that out. And sure shit, she signed in at like 1130. Well, 1122 to be exact. So Mary Jane wore a wig a lot, but like the wig looked exactly like her actual hair, but like sometimes she would do her hair, sometimes she would do a wig. And she left her wig at the hair salon that day. So police were like, um, BRB going to get the wig. So they go to check the wig to see if there's like gunpowder residue or anything like that. But it came back negative. So they're like, well, fuck. She had time to do this based on when her hair appointment, like when she signed in for it. But we have nothing to prove that she did it. This is the weird part, because I also heard this part on that podcast that I was telling you about that that they would take the letters, like all the condolence letters from the church, from the family, so they could go through them to see, like, did they get any could they get any evidence from it? And Mary Jane sent condolence letters to the choir, to the church, and to Rhonda's parents. And in the letters, it was exactly like her in real life. Like it was, sorry about the loss, but me, 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 me. She really started getting kind of weird with Rhonda's parents. Like she would take them, pause, and like would stay for like hours with the family. And one day though, the parents were very kind. And one day they were like, oh, girl, your shoes are older. Do you want to try on some Aranda's shoes and see, like, do they fit? And she did. And they did fit. And so she took a couple pair of Rhonda's shoes and, like, wore them all the time. So then she, like, started sitting by them in church. And she's, like, wearing Rhonda's shoes, sitting by Rhonda's parents in yeah. church. And it's, like, it's just weird. Mm-hmm. So the police are very suspicious and there's weird shit happening, but there's literally nothing to prove that she did anything. Well, the police ended up getting a break. There was a father and son out fishing in that lake. Oh, shit. And the son found a loaded gun. When police get this gun that the kid found, it's in pristine condition and they test it, and it is consistent with the bullets fired that killed Rhonda. But like I said, it's in pristine condition, so like the serial number and all that's there, and guess what it matches? Oh, Mary Jane. Mm-hmm. So the police had exactly what they needed, and they ended up arresting Mary Jane at the church. And, okay, so this goes to trial and all, and Mary Jane's attorney this is so terrible mary jane's attorney described her as the aunt that nobody wanted to sit next to gosh but that's it is sad but that's how like obnoxious she was and that's why like people just had such a hard time connecting with her yeah as an outsider looking in of course we want to accept people's differences and some people can't pick up on social cues and all of that and so completely understand that but she's also going to a church and she's trying to find her people so like let's be kind to her but on the other side i i hate people and i don't like talking to people so if somebody's sitting next to me and doesn't stop talking i'm like i don't i don't want to talk i want i don't want to people today yeah so it's like completely understand both sides long story short with the with the court stuff Mary Jane is found guilty and sentenced to life in prison. Oh, damn. But remember how I said that she moved in with her parents and then her mom died in 1992? Yeah. Well, in 1993, Mary Jane's dad, Edward Fonder III, who was, did I say 80-year-old dad? I'm not sure. Okay. He's 80 years old, uses a cane, very, um, had a really hard time getting around. He disappeared. 
Oh, shit. Yeah. So Mary Jane says that she woke up that morning, fixed him breakfast, went back to bed, heard the door open and thought like he went outside to get the newspaper. She fell asleep. And when she woke up again around 11 that morning, she realized her dad was nowhere to be found. And they couldn't find him. And he walks with a cane and everything. And he's 80. Right. So she calls police and they they do this huge search for on this property because it's a it's a fairly big property, like 60 acres, big property. Shit. So they search everywhere for him and they find nothing. So the police were very suspicious that Mary Jane had done something to her father because he he also had um like heart conditions and all of that where he had medication that he had to take so if he was gone for a few hours he would be without his medicine the thing is is that they're hoarders of course so when police are going to look for evidence they found this i saw this on wikipedia this is the only other place i really saw this but they found like a, a like a water bucket that had the water was kind of pinkish with some towels in it and it had a chicken in it Ew! but then they found the body of a dog wrapped in plastic in the freezer what but the dog they tested the dog and it died from a lethal dose of diabetes medication oh shit and the dad had diabetes mm-hmm. it was a test run you th- uh, right yeah so they we still today do not know where her dad's body is and after she was convicted of Rhonda's murder it like relaunched everything looking for her dad but we still don't know where her dad is wow that's so fucking sad a neighbor Ended up buying um, the property for like $175,000. He got 60 acres. I was like, Jesus. So when he bought the land, the cops were like, hey, can we come look? Because after like the initial search, she was like, yeah, if you want anything, contact my lawyers. Like she kind of shut it down after that. Yeah. So when they found out that this Bruner guy had bought it, they were like, can we um, can we come search? And he's like, absolutely. And they found Nothing like they did like ground penetrating sonar, all this stuff, and they didn't find anything. But the guy that bought it, he said that when he went there, he could barely open the door because there was so much stuff from them hoarding. Oh, my God. And then it took them days and days to get through the junk. And then eventually the county paid for the home to be demolished. Oh, my gosh. I would have been like, could you have done this three days ago? truth i couldn't do that i would have to hire out because i just could not go through that yeah well he was older like he so he definitely hired that out but um so now do you want to eat the stuff that she brought over no uh -uh, no i don't Mm -mm, but but in uh june of 2018 uh mary jane fonder died in prison from a heart attack well a cardiac arrest so she was in there about 10 years. And before she died, though, like she had eventually done an interview and, I, and she eventually did confess to killing Rhonda because she maintained her innocence for a long time. But basically, she was like, I found my people in prison. They get me. We love each other. They treat me like a mom. And she was fucking like living her best life in prison and said, essentially, she felt like she had what she describes as like a psychotic break that she doesn't really remember doing it. But she remembers like she was having trouble with her mental health and she basically got to a point where she was so jealous of Rhonda thinking she was with the preacher, blah, 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 blah. Oh my God. Well, I was going to ask was she liked in prison, but you said she was. So according to her, she is, I wouldn't want to be her Sally. I can tell you that. Mm -mm. But I mean, she was like 62 when she killed Rhonda. I hate that Rhonda was killed right when she was getting her life back on track and everything. I do feel bad for her, for uh, Mary Jane, in that she had such a hard time with mental illness and that, you know, the way that she obsessed over the the pastor and Rhonda and the jealousy and like, again, Rhonda being able to be so close with everybody so quickly and she's been trying for all this time. She did seem a little delusional in that, you know, she thought they were having parties for Rhonda and all this stuff that that wasn't happening yeah but 
that doesn't give you the right to kill anyone. No. Now, do we know that her mom died? Yes, her mom died. She had a um she had to have her leg amputated and then she died like she was in a coma after that from complications from surgery. Oh gosh, okay. Oh, and I can't remember if it was when she was arrested or like during the court case. I think it was during the court case I heard on that podcast that she was still wearing Rhonda's shoes. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. I'll never understand how people can do that. Like kill someone and then be like super close with their family, wear their clothes, wear their shoes. And I get like she was obsessed and all of that. But like you've covered these cases where like a friend has murdered their friend and they're like all with their parents. You know, like, I don't know. I'm just like, obviously I couldn't kill anyone either, but like I couldn't do the whole aftermath. Well, fucking Mary Jane literally went to the church shot her and then went straight to the the salon and got her hair done there was this was on a couple of things it was a dateline on this it was a snapped on this there's like tons of shit on this i think there's a deadly women maybe on this so i can't remember where i heard this because i've watched and listened to so many things on it but um she had a calendar in her like you know like a like a handwritten calendar and the outside of it was like puppies or something like you know you know what i'm talking about like the the old school calendars i used to have one well in it on the day of Rhonda's murder she had like that she had her hair appointment you know that and it said Rhonda murder no it did not yes so she of course when she's asked she's like well i just wanted to remember the date and it's like what like put why would you put murder Rhonda or like like even in my phone so i can remember like the day your mom died the day your sister died the day your mom <laughs> your dad died the day my dad died <laughs> the day my grandma died you know always you i just put like grandma patty you know like i don't yeah. even put you know what i mean like i just put their name and i know that's what they because i don't want to put like so and so died you know yeah. i just have their name so i can remember the date but she's like Rhonda murder yeah yeah She's like, it was just a reminder of the date. No, bitch, you were like doing it today. That was your to-do list. Man, I used to love those calendars, though. It cracks me up when patients come to make appointments and they still have like a like the like a big one. Like it's like an eight and a half by eleven. You know? Yeah. Well, you know, those are back in style. People do those, and those are planners. Yeah. Mine was like the ninety-nine cent laminated. Front yeah. Well, that's back. what this. Yeah. Was. Yeah. Well. In college, I always got the calendar, like the school year uh, planner. And I would always at the beginning of the year or at the beginning of the semester, I did this even in grad school. I mean, I, I mean, from freshman year to the last semester of grad school, I did this and I would write down every test, every paper due, every everything and maybe look at it two times only so I could be in sheer panic that be like, what have I forgotten to do? Yeah. Oh my God, there's been three assignments. You know what I mean? Like I, if I ever looked at it again, I mean, I would color code it, never use that shit. <laughs> I'm also the type to write a to-do list of things I've already done so I could check them off. Yeah. Well, if I've started to write a to-do list, but I've already done stuff that day, I'm going to write that down so I can check it off because I did it that day. Like, yeah. Like, I got to feel accomplished. Because there's so few days I do anything. Exactly. Well, thank y'all so much for always giving us the best recommendations on stories to do. Keep them coming. You can send them to us on Discord. If you're in Patreon, you can send them to us on the Facebook group. However you want to do it. In the main Facebook group, there's a feature, like in the featured section, there's a suggestion box. There's, look, there's all kinds of ways to send us stuff. Just send us your shit. And remember, creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.